Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Sam Williams and we sat down with Matt McLean who is the recent winner of the US Mid-Am. Among many things, the things the Mid-Am gets you is an invitation to the Masters in 2023 and the US Open at LACC in 2023. So... Matt played in an All-Ireland final coming down the stretch at, at the US Mid-Am over there at Aaron Hills and we managed to catch up with Matt and have a chat through the tournament, the final itself, his amateur golf and his ambitions with his career going forward and what he's going to do in the next few years. So we had a really interesting chat with Matt and I uh, hope you enjoy. Watch this. Yeah, well, I mean, in any way, look, I mean, just sort of kicking it off with uh, a massive congratulations. I think uh, not just US mid-amateur champion, but does that make you the fourth fourth Irishman in history to win a USGA title? Is that right? I think so. As far as I'm aware, I'm not, I'm not overly good with uh, the sort of history of tournaments and all that sort of st- those stats sort of things. But I think, yeah, I think uh, Rory, McIlroy and Graham McDowell, two US Opens. And yeah. then Harrington just earlier this year with the US Seniors. Like so the, four, right. uh, the four USGA events, yeah, that, that, that an, Irish, an, an Irish player has won. And then I think it's the first USGA amateur event that an Irish player has won, um, yeah. uh, if I'm correct. So, yeah, it was pretty good. I think it was actually the first U- first USGA final, even, that an yeah. Irish, really? Irish man has got to in the amateur. Yeah, uh, and we obviously, we both, we both got there uh, this year. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was all sort of pretty nerd. I think there's been a huge amount of success in America over the years from the from Irish players. But it feels like there's obviously this big, um, you know, not just yourself, you've had a, a great season as well, but Hugh Foley's had a brilliant season as well, hasn't he, on the amateur scene? You know, going into the final, knowing that it's going to be an Irishman that wins at Erin Hills, you know, that, that must have been pretty special because you guys were traveling, rooming, eating, practicing, doing everything together, right, for the whole lead up to that to that final. Yeah, as I said, yeah, we, we sort of just decided between ourselves initially to sort of think, you know, Aaron Hills, the sort of the fam- pretty famous golf course. Mm. We'd never, I don't think I'd really heard of the event probably this time last year. Wow. And one of the guys sort of brought it up and we sort of thought, you know, it's probably as good as chance as any tournament to get the sort of, you know, the, the sort of the prize at the end of it. So we, we just sort of took it upon ourselves to, to go on ahead and, and go for it. And yeah, as I said, we, we traveled, we, we flew over together, uh, you know, Sunday the 4th. And then we were staying in Chicago for a few days playing golf before staying in the same Airbnb, shared a car. So yeah, pretty much two weeks we were over there. We were, you know, we were pretty much everything we did was, was together for the, for the full two weeks. So it was, yeah, it was pretty odd sort of making it to the final obviously and having to play against each other but the only sort of bonus was that we sort of knew at least one of us was going to win uh, at that yeah. stage so when did you find when did you start to think talk to him about how the final could be could be on the cards because obviously you're on opposite sides of the draw when the draw came out were you immediately thinking you know oh yeah this would be a laugh when we'll both get to the final or, or when when's it when was it first mentioned do you think yeah i think it was sort of it was mentioned before we even started playing as a joke, like uh, yeah. sort of a hundred percent a joke at the start, even before we, before the tournament started, we sort of said, you know, we'll both qualify other sides of the draw meet in final. That would be ideal. 
Uh, but that was that was obviously a joke at the start. Uh, the the point where probably only really becoming a like a proper you know scenario that it could happen was probably last sixteen is when I sort of thought uh, that it that it was a, an option because we were sort of getting through our matches relatively okay. We were you yeah. know we were sort of you know decent winning margins, and then the last sixteen is when we sort of we were obviously the matches were a bit more condensed. So we were, he was only maybe two holes ahead of me. So you could see yeah. him play and he could see me playing. He was waiting up by the green after he'd finished his match and then I just finished my match. So yeah, it was it was probably probably that stage when we sort of thought there's probably a good chance now that we can that we can actually who, who was the first to say it out loud? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I think we both we probably <laughs> looked at each other and both sort of said, you know, keep it going. We'll see you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah see yeah. you in the final, um, sort of thing. But yeah, as I said, even with those sort of, you know, that sort of tournament, or that format of the tournament, you know, you, you're out so quickly. Yeah, you know, a stretch yeah. of a stretch of three or four bad holes. Uh, yeah, and you know, and you're you're out, so it can turn very yeah. quickly to the same extent. So we didn't want to sort of you know look yeah, too yeah, much sure. into it. Jinx it yeah yeah a couple guys said yes we were like oh well you know good chance there's going to be an all out of final here we we're like don't really want to look at that just yet but it's weird isn't it 18 holes match play you know any, anyone can kind of come in there can't they i think bobby jones was even quoted as saying the hardest event to win is an amateur championship because anyone can get hot with a putter for 18 holes so I don't know what's the secret, Matt. You know what's the secret to kind of seeing out these endurance match play events and getting through? Is it is it just being clinical with a putter or just being really kind of gritty and not giving holes away? Because you know your luck can I sense change quite quickly where someone could just get on a heater for nine holes with a putter and before you know it the tournament's over. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the big thing with obviously professional golf or even amateur stroke play golf is that you have 72 holes so it's you know it's up to yourself to win it or lose it mm. whoever has the lowest score is going to win the tough thing with match play is that yeah as you said if you come up against someone who not even just has a good day with the putter but just plays well mm. anyone's capable of shooting five or six under on the day and anyone's capable of shooting level par so you know it is it's you need a bit of luck I think along the way but yeah. there probably is that match play match play tactic or instinct to sort of be able to win that hole when maybe you shouldn't have won it. And there's that yeah. sort of, you know, that up and down that you should maybe shouldn't have done just sort of, you know, it puts a bit of a bit of a sort of a dagger in the, in the chest of your opponent to sort of dishearten them a bit. So yeah, there's definitely a match play ability that some people have better than others, but it's just really consistency as much as possible and again you just need luck along the way i've had plenty of tournaments where i've played perfectly well all the way through and you get to any stage and someone shoots five under and yeah and then you're, it's you're home so yeah, it's, yeah. so it's do you feel like you're playing the guy or do you feel like you're playing the course you know that makes sense when you sort of when you stand there and it's whether it's like i don't know semi-finals quarterfinals whatever you stood there you've got 18 holes are you thinking well, actually, these are the holes I'm going to attack. These are the pins that I'm, I think I'm going to go after. These are going to play safe, and I'm just going to play my own game. Or are you feeling like you're playing the guy? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a bit of both because you can't just play the course because if you play the course, you might have a tactic to play a certain hole. And if you know, and it's a power hole, just say, or you're, you're going to hit a 30 foot away from the pin. But if your opponent hits, hits it to two foot, then there's no point to hit the 30 foot because you're, you mm. you're only going to hold that one in 100 maybe. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think there's definitely a bit of both, and that's where the balance comes in, as to when to attack, when not to attack. 
But I think a lot of the times with match play, if you play the opponent, the big thing, I think you can play the opponent when you're trying to play attacking. It helps. Yeah, for sure. But if you play the opponent when you're playing defensive, then you can it sort can of killer, you can it? sort of make a bit of a, a bit of an idiot yourself at times. Yeah, like if they if they miss the green and you go for the heart of the green, they chip in. You're like, oh my goodness, what has yeah. just happened? Yeah, or the big ones, yeah, off the tee. Just say someone hits it into the water, up the right, and then mm. you play defensively, hit it up the left, miss the green, make bogey. He's probably still going to make bogey if he hits it in the water off the tee. Yeah, take one drop, hit it on the green. So, yeah, there's things like that where you just have to play your own ball. I think when it's 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 one side when when it's there in trouble you've got to still be aggressive and not play too far back. Cause as you said, anyone can, you know, chip in or make a, make a birdie or sort of make a, you know, really tough part at any point as well. Yeah. So you've got to keep the pressure going, I sense, haven't you? That's the thing. And obviously particularly an elite amateur level, but you know, even the club golfer can identify to that. I think even in, you know, playing knockout matches, you know, like you say, someone goes in the water, you start playing with the steering wheel. And before you know it, you've walked off with a, you know, a scrapey half or you've lost the hole. The, the the other thing with the event, because I think you played, you play a two round medal, right? That then gets you through the qualifying stages. And then I think you played six rounds of knockout golf plus practice round. So it's like a massive endurance anyway, but the event finished later as well, didn't it, Matt? So am I right in thinking there was some weather that came in in the middle of the week, which meant your final with Hugh was played over like a staggered two days, like an afternoon yeah. in the morning. Is that right? Yeah, so as I said, normally any of these events are, are tough. This is this is the first, I think, I think it's the first match play final of these events that I've that I've gotten to. Actually, I've got to sort of semis quite quite a few times in mm. quarters, but it's the first first full sort of endurance event I've had to do. So the way it worked out, the Saturday went sort of the plan. Sunday was completely called off due to rain, so we, we mm-hmm. didn't no one played at all on Sunday. And that was the second round of the medal, right? That was the second round of the medal on the yeah. Sunday, yeah. And it was funny, actually, because I, I was actually five over three six on the first round as well. Wow! Uh, no way. Round the if you like easier course. You know, most of these tournaments are set up on one sort of slightly more scorable course and one harder course. So mm-hmm. the harder course being Aaron Hills, the scorable if you like course being the Blue Mountain course. Mm-hmm. So I was five over three six. Sort of thinking, you know, this is that's <laughs> a shock on. But those are six holes you wanted to make it happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there were six. There weren't overly hard holes either, to be fair. And uh, so I got it back. I, f- I finished two over for the round, but I was actually sitting in seventy second after the first round. Wait, so the rain came in on the Sunday, completely called it off. So in my head, I was thinking this could be a one round cut as well. Uh, I've oh, seen yeah. that happen before, so. So that well, that's you play one round and you're sort of you're right, missed the cut. So <laughs> yeah. uh, then the Monday morning it was raining again on Monday morning, so it was delayed by the guts of five hours on Monday morning. So again, I was just thinking, this is you know, there's no chance this is going ahead now. And then I think I was meant to tee off at twelve o'clock on the on the Sunday on the Sunday or push forward to the Monday, push back to five o'clock. So. Sunset was about seven o'clock, quarter to seven. So played eight holes. Uh, Played those in three under, I think, which was good. Called in, set the alarm for five o'clock the next morning, teed off at seven the next morning, finished the round. Shot five under the second round. Five under, yeah. That's incredible. um, Which was sort of, that was was a big round, really. I somewhat was comfortable in the cut after the first eight holes. 
Yeah, yeah. But you can still, still obviously, you know, make a mess of it. So, uh, yeah. But then we, we, so they made the cuts. They needed two or three hours to sort of make the cut. There was a 17 man playoff for 12 mm-hmm. places. So that wow. took two hours. Wow. I think I teed off at six o'clock, 10 past six, then for my first match that evening. Played four holes. Called this in. is really odd. This and is mental. Called back out the next morning at seven again, seven a.m. again to finish off that match, uh, and then from then on, I think it went as normal, if you like, as apart normal, from the last yeah. day, as you said, whereas yeah. the final was on the eighteenth in the Friday afternoon, and then went to bed, got back up the next morning, and finished off the final Jeez. then on the Saturday so you, morning. So, I mean, uh, yeah, so you have so that disjointed. bad start, yeah. you know, f- five over through six. Um, like you say, pretty, I imagine you're pretty demoralized at that point and the rain comes in. Um, what do you do on Sunday to keep yourself motivated, to try and you know convince yourself that things can, can change? What, what, what did you do? I don't think we did anything really, to be honest. Um, there's not much. I think there's, we went, maybe went to a shopping mall for walked about oh, for really? an hour or two yeah. and sort of didn't buy anything or didn't, no plans or anything. About- didn't worry about the golf or anything. Just thought let's just turn off. Yeah, not really. I, I played five. The, the five over three six was sounded worse than it was. I, I just there was a couple of pins. I sort of bounced at and sort of missed a couple of yards on the wrong side, mm. and they were just sort of impossible to get up and down. Sort of. So it was, it was more probably just changing the uh, tactic or sort of being a bit less aggressive. It wasn't mm. as if I was sort of hitting particularly bad shots. So it was, you know, wasn't that concerned about it at the time. Um, but yeah, we didn't really do much. We, we maybe went into the city for a couple hours as well and just sort of chilled out. But yeah, there wasn't the, when there's sort of a monsoon of rain coming in, there isn't much, much to do anyway. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty relaxed day. Trying oh, to, yeah. I, I thought you were going to give us some golden nuggets. Like, oh yeah, basically I just rolled the rock for, for six hours and just n- did nothing but six footers for six hours. And that was it. No, <laughs> so it was unfortunately not, no. no, it was, we basically lay on the sofa and watched Netflix all day. It was That's right. how disjointed that is for a few days. Like you don't, I mean, particularly when, you know, there's a lot behind it. You've given up a lot of time. You've come away from work to, to commit to that, to them be in that situation where you're playing four holes and six holes and 12 holes and just trying to kind of stay fresh so that you, when you pick up the bats again, you're kind of good to go out and attack the course. That's mental. The the final then obviously was played on the Friday afternoon, the Saturday morning. So you, so you were sleeping on a lead going out for dinner with you as well. I'm guessing in the evening, cause you're yeah, sort of hanging yeah. out together. Um, what's that like? Cause then you've kind of eyeballing each other over dinner. That's just, that must be yeah. quite a cool thing, actually like a nice, quite a nice experience. Yeah, as I said, it was it was odd. Uh, like, I do, it do, obviously doesn't happen very often. The the eighteen staggered final, and then mm-hmm. obviously probably next to never happens that was sort of the, the two guys were staying together as well. So, yeah, no, it was it was all it was never sort of awkward or sort of a problem at any point at all. So me and you yeah, yeah. sort of are pretty good friends, and sort of we've played a lot of golf this year anyway. So. I think we were both sort of pretty relaxed because we were playing each other. So it just made, made it felt maybe it felt a bit more just like a match we had played it at home sort of, and then you know I, we were we were sort of you know really tired anyway. So we played the semi final, you know played the first eighteen holes of the final. There was only two in it, so it would have been a bit if, if someone was seven up or eight up after eighteen holes, yeah. it would have been a pretty sort of tough atmosphere because. Yeah. You sort of feel as if it's over by then, but you're both in it at that point, aren't you? It's just that's just the nature of match play. Yeah. You know, it's like two holes. It's like there's nothing in this really. 
Yeah, well, I was telling myself it was two. There's two in it, but two over eighteen isn't anything really. It's you know, it's anyone's game. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's it was one of those things we sort of you know got home from the golf, and then we were probably in bed within sort of three hours anyway. So we sort of chilled out for an hour, had dinner. You know, we were just sort of the same sort of atmosphere uh, as it was all week, and we sort of went mm. to bed pretty early. So. Uh, yeah, nothing changed to be honest with you, uh, compared to the rest of the week, really. And what was the final in, in terms of the atmosphere? Do you get many people coming out and watching it at Aaron Hills? Because it's, I'm, I've never been there. My limited understanding is I can imagine it's kind of tucked away and quite remote out from the city itself. So, yeah. you know, many people come out and watch. Do you get a lot of a lot of crowds, or by then a lot of people got their flights back? Yeah, so I think that, <clears throat> that's sort of the slight problem with the the match play format is that to a certain extent, you probably rely on some of the field and the players to create the crowd in mm. the in the amateur events. So, obviously, everyone's gone home. All the competitors have gone home. Um, I, the fact that it was meant to finish on the Thursday as well and then delayed to the Saturday. So, I, I, I'm not too sure how many people were there. Actually, I didn't really pay a huge amount of attention, but it wasn't a massive crowd. But it, was, yeah. it was big enough to sort of create a bit of an atmosphere yeah, uh, around the place, yeah. but... There was plenty of volunteers, so they had, uh, they must have had fifty or sixty volunteers over the two courses. Oh wow! So a lot of those, right, which were good. They sort of followed you around for the week, so you sort of got to know them a wee bit better as well, and uh, all the officials and you know a couple of guys we we sort of met along the way over there as well, right? And what's the take on the course? Obviously, you're getting to you're playing it on repeat by that point. What's the what's the take on on Aaron Hills? Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, <clears throat> it's one of those ones where I think when you play a, a golf and tournaments competitions, you don't really get to sort of appreciate some of the some of the aspects of it, whether or not it's the views in certain holes or certain green complexes where you may not you may never be down that area of the green. But yeah. mm. you, when you get to play it that many times, on as you said, on repeat, you generally get to see different areas of the, of the course and different conditions, different wind directions, that sort of stuff. So. It's yeah, it's it's really really one of the best courses I've played. The condition of it is, I think, probably better than I've ever played. In, you know, definitely anywhere in this this side of the water. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. The great like the fairways are just immaculate. Uh, greens are greens were tough. They had a lot of rain as well, so taking into consideration, they had sort of three two or three days of pretty torrential yeah. rain, and it was yeah. probably by the two days after that you couldn't you couldn't tell that it had rained. Which mm. makes it a little bit more scorable, I guess. But to a certain extent, you know, it softens the greens up. All of a sudden, you know, obviously a, a heavy US field there, which maybe it's an overgeneralization here, but it's a different brand of golf in America, isn't it? I think there's more, you know, it's more aerial attack on the pin versus kind of maybe what we're a little bit more used to where, you know, weather conditions on the ground needing to be a little bit more creative. I don't know if there's any any truth in that. Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely. Sort of, I think maybe when you get to the mid amateur category, it, it might not be as much of a factor. When you're, you know, if you're playing definitely college golf and sort of the top guys in the amateur scene, the Americans are definitely yes, all in the air, carry as hard as you can hit it. Mm. I think there was maybe an aspect maybe in the mid am that it wasn't quite as reliant on distance mm. because of because of the sort of the age category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the rain uh, it was tough because the rain made the fairway soft, obviously as well. So then you're you're taking away sort of thirty yards of yeah. uh, sort of run coming off the fairways, but I think yeah, soft fairways and soft greens is definitely definitely easier or more scorable than the yeah, firm fairways and firm greens because if you had the greens firm, 
I think it, it, at times they were probably running 13 on the, on the step. Wow. So it was, yeah. and the slopes are serious and there's green yeah. and so that sort of stuff. So if you had them firm as well, it, yeah, it definitely would have been <laughs> definitely would have considerably harder. Was it hard to adjust to grain on, on, on the putts? Just, just on that, you mentioned grain like that. That is something we never have to deal with over here. Do you find that a hard adjustment when you've got something starting to read grain into a putt? Um, yeah, so I've only really played grain probably the last couple of years. I wouldn't have been familiar with it at all. Um, it's, it's sort of one of those ones you can't think about it too much. You've just got to sort of look at it. Pick, I think the best way is that you pick a line and sort of if it's a right edge putt and you see the rain going right, you just go right, I'll just give it an extra half inch. Yeah, or you hit it a wee bit harder, or you got you got to account for it. I think w- when you think about it too much, that's when you sort of have issues with it. You, you've got to just sort of look your at brain. It. Yeah, yeah, it starts becoming too complicated. And, yeah. and hit it. So it's I don't think there's any quick fix that I'm aware of. And you've just got to play the greens, get used to it, and sort of get a feel for it and hit it. But I, I potted I potted pretty well now furniture on Aaron Hill. So it's there's times you just get it. There's times you don't. I think and if you don't get mm. it. You know, just try not to worry about it. So you started the final day two up. Um, you saw, uh, you build a big lead into the back nine and you're coming down the stretch. We think you were five up, but coming down or five yeah, up or six. Five, place, five or that. six, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, does it enter your mind the, the, the things that you can win? Does that come into your mind when you play or do you just have to box that off and just think, no, it's just keep going? Yeah, you try not to. Same with any tournament. You try not to think about any stage what you're going to win, but it's, yeah, like you can't not think about it, really. Mm. But I think the sort of way to look at it was that, like, it was, it's such sort of an, an odd sort of prize to win mm. that you're almost, you probably don't realize that actually you are going to win that prize, yeah, even you when you're in that situation. It. Yeah, it didn't yeah. really sort of feel 100% <laughs> real at the same time. So the, how far-fetched the plan or the, the prize was, probably helped as well because yes. it, it didn't really seem real at, at times as well. So it was, it was a bit easier to play that way, but it's funny with any match, but obviously because I played so much with you, there wasn't any stage before that, that I sort of thought this, you know, I have a chance here that I'm yeah, sort of yeah, going to win yeah, it yeah. as such. Mm. The only time was on the, the 12th green. And I think, I think you said the same thing as well. I birdied 12 to go five up. Um, and then that's probably the first time that I sort of thought, you know, it's one hole here now. You know, if I yeah. make one birdie or, you know, if he makes one bogey, that's that's it over. So I, it did come into my head there that sort of, you know, I'm pretty much that, on the edge now. Does that make you more nervous? nervous? Nerves are something we haven't really discussed. Were you nervous at all during the tournament and did it get worse coming down the stretch? Yeah, like any tournament, there's there's nerves in any tournament that you play at any sort of stage. They generally obviously get a bit more noticeable towards the end. But I think it was never nerves to the extent that it caused a problem with any sort of golf shots, which it can. So, but again, I just put that down to sort of the, the amount of times you put yourself in the position. I think and that's then, ridiculous because I get nervous teeing off on the monthly medal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The fact you say you don't get nervous is ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's it's not nervous. It's not I don't get nervous. It's more the fact that this week or last week, whatever it was, that it didn't affect my game negatively. Yeah, but you still get nervous. It's it's more of a fact of that you've 
dealing with the nerves that you can yeah. still sort of play your normal game through it. But yeah, like don't get me wrong, there's been there's been tournaments this year that have I've had nerves and it's affected my game and I've hit a couple of bad shots and it's probably cost me a win or two. So yeah, it's it's not that I don't get them. It just happened to be last week that it didn't sort yeah. of negatively. It's how you channel it, isn't it? I suppose to an extent, you know, you, you know that this isn't a monthly medal, or you know it's not just like a social nine hole game. So it's almost like how you channel that. You know that kind of maybe there's, there's like expectation and there's more thought and there's more excitement around the shots, but it's like, well, actually, I want to almost want to try and channel this into you know, a positive outcome rather than it becoming a fear of failure. And I think there's so much, you, you know, you see, you see the, you know, the most elite players when they sort of, up, they're under the gun, they almost feel like, but that's exactly how I want to feel. Because when I feel like that, that's, that's why I've put myself in these positions, because if it didn't feel like that, it wouldn't matter. And, 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 and that's kind of how they see it. So, I mean, I suppose it's, you know, does it, does it almost allows you to bring out the best in your game to a certain extent when there's a lot on the line? Yeah, and as I said, the thing with sort of nerves, the thing is, it's yeah, you don't get nervous. In, well, it depends, obviously, if it's monthly medal, it's the first day, yeah. But everyone's a different year. Mm-hmm. Everyone's have a different sort of reason to be nervous. So, but if if you're being if you're nervous, generally there's a reason why it's not. You're not sort of thirtieth in the tournament on you know on the ninth hole. That's not when you'll get the nerves. It's yeah. if you're in the position that you're doing something right. So. Yeah, you sort of hear pros talking about it all the time. That sort of if you're nervous, it's a sign that you're doing something right. So you just got to keep on doing what you're doing. I think the sort of the idea is that if you've got the nerves, you've got to go into sort of autopilot. And then that's when, if you're, you know, you, some people practice more than others, but those sort of like hours of practice that you've done, you've just got to sort of forget about everything and sort of just go, yeah. right, set it up, hit it. And, you know, where, as you say, wherever it goes, it goes because 99 times out of 100, when you hit a bad shot, it's when you're, trying to sort of steer it down there or you're yeah. trying something to, when you just come back hit it hard as yeah. you want generally speaking it's probably a good shot so and if it goes offline and it goes in the water then it goes in the water it's a buzz yeah. you know it takes i think time just to sort of try to feel comfortable with that mindset well there's one thing i think that you're definitely going to get nervous at is obviously the prize the u.s open and hopefully the masters that if that invitation comes through which i'm sure it will um have you given that much thought yet? Um, probably not a huge amount. A couple of you have sort of better thought about it just in the last sort of week about you know organisation and sort of what to think, but what what to do. But yeah, I don't know LA Country Club overly well. I don't think I know any of the golf holes or anything like that, so it's hard to picture your sort of self there yeah, as such. There, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously Augusta, everyone knows Augusta, and sort of you know over the years watched it countless times, so. Yeah, there's probably points where you've imagined yourself walking down certain areas yeah. and things like that. And yeah, I don't know. I think the, the aspect of nerves coming into it is going to be, is going to hit you no matter have what you, you do. So. The call yeah, up? For sure. who's, who's on the bag? Have you given someone the call up yet? I don't know what we're going to do yet. Yeah, there's, I've got a sort of couple of guys who would do, but then there's another sort of conversation, another idea that like, you know, it's, it's obviously Augustus, one of the sort of toughest courses in the world and you can make it fool yourself pretty quickly i think around the greens and different <laughs> things like that so even the other aspect of having like a local caddy or like a professional oh, caddy a there mm. you know ideally you'd want to sort of walk down the fairway with like your dad or one of your best friends and things like that 
because it'd be a pretty cool moment. Yeah. But if you're 16 over par walking up the last, it's not going to feel overly great either. So <laughs> uh, you've got to take that aspect into, into sort of consideration. So, yeah, I don't know. I have decided what I'm going to do yet, but the likes of like, yeah, a, a local caddy who caddies there, you know, every day knows where to hit it, where not to hit it is, is pretty invaluable sort of, you know, information that you, you just can't really get from, from anyone else. So, yeah, I'll, I don't know. I need to think about it, but there's that. The key thing is, so you're you going to be able to get the time off work. I mean, is April a busy, a busy month? I mean, that's the key thing. You've got to get the holiday request in now, Matt. Right? Yeah. So I, I, I work as a locum optician, so okay. I'm self-employed. So I, I'll just, yeah. no problem. <laughs> Self-unemployed for a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I kind of mention it a little bit in jest, but you know playing in the US Mid-Am and winning that event, you're coming up, obviously the Mid-Am is meant to be more that sort of senior amateur, sort of, you know, over 25s, I think it is, right? Yeah. Um, you know, people who are maybe not, you know, turning professional or in that kind of post-collegiate state. But I think you're still coming up against a lot of full-time amateur players, right? You want, you know, are you in the are you in the minority of people that are still, that are working, but also playing elite amateur golf or... Did you kind of sense that most of the people there had businesses or jobs and stuff that they were keeping down as well? At the Mid-Am? Yeah. 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 No, I think Mid-Am was definitely, it was definitely a very different sort of golf tournament. It felt a bit different because of the sort of the age aspect and where people mm. were, what were people were doing. So I think there was a few, there was probably, I don't know how many, there was probably uh, maybe 10 of us or that I came across anyway, that were me and Hugh were obviously pretty much full-time golfers in the season. So we, we were pro- definitely in the minority. Like most people were, yeah, qualified for it. We're working full-time. We're doing something yeah, like that. Yeah. So you had a, you had a small group of us that were probably silly in that age group. And we're still mm-hmm. playing sort of full-time competitive golf. So yeah, that was, that was obviously a bit different to all, most of the tournaments you play all year where it's 99% of the guys are, are full time playing the, yeah. playing the sort of the top amateur tournaments. And of course, I mean, it, it could be another huge one that we've not talked about. I mean, obviously it's hard not to talk about Augusta and it's really hard to talk about US Open and LACC, but the Walker Cup next year, obviously pending selection and, and all that sort of stuff. But I'm guessing you and Hugh are, are, are really prime picks. There's a lot of great talent in the, you know, the you know, GB and I amateur scene. Players like Barkley Brown as well. Feels like there could be actually a really strong team playing mm. at St Andrews next year. Is that in your thought process as well? Yeah, I think it was pretty much. You know, everyone has the sort of the start of the year what they want to do, and anyone that's sort of within touching distance of that sort of World Cup team is obviously that's going to be the number one goal especially being at St. Andrews as well. So, yeah, no, that's definitely the goal. The way to look at it is that you've, it's, you know, you've got to just take every tournament sort of individually and, and play those as good as you can to make that team. So I played, I made the sort of the nine-man team this year for the St. Andrews Trophy, which is, yeah, which, is which was good. Again, when there was two, Mark Parr and Rob Moore, and both made the team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hugh was sort of probably, you know, I, I know he was unfortunate to not to make that, not to make that team, but his form just came in just after the selection date. Mm. So I would say if you look at the, if you look at the sort of 10 man team now, he's right up there at the moment, obviously. So yeah, that's, that's sort of the the big goal for next year. But as I said, it's trying to sort of play all the tournaments and making yourself 
you know, available to be able is to it sort all of picks, get picks. Or does Wagger come into it at all? Do they, is it like the right, I'm, I should know this, but yeah. is it solely captain's picks or do they lean a little bit on Wagger? I don't know. I think there's actually talks about that, about whether or not there will be or they're changing or things like that. As far as I'm aware, I think the top two automatically get in okay. on Wagger. Uh, could be wrong, but I think it's top two. Uh, and then it's selections after that. So uh, could be top three. I, I don't really know, to be honest. Uh, but it's mainly selections I think you're relying on. Is, and then I think if you went the winner of the amateur, it uh, gets in automatically. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, yeah, there's a couple of automatic ways in, but it's mainly selection based, yeah. And how does, how does your, you know, kind of closing the season when that sort of end of the, the twilight of the year, golfing year now, how does that now change the next six months preparation, what it looks like? Do you, you know, are there going to be, you know, a few exemptions to play in some pro events just to kind of cut your teeth in that environment a bit more? Or is it going to be about really putting in the hours and the range or what, you know, how do you approach that? Yeah, as I said, obviously, barring the obvious ones where there's 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 a couple of weeks that will be playing, not I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of difference in change. So it'll be I'll still sort of I'm back sort of working until for the next sort of three months anyway. So then we have a South Africa trip with Golf Ireland, okay, uh, at the end of January, start of February time for sort of two three week period, where there's sort of a couple of good amateur events out there that you'll go to. I'll generally go out and do a bit of sort of warm weather sort of practice for that anyway mm-hmm. so you'll have that and then you'll have those few tournaments to sort of warm up and get back into sort of the get, you know get the game a bit sharper and then i think in march you've maybe got spanish amateur then and then there's normally a few weeks off so it's i I've, there's a lot of sort of organizing to do you haven't really had a chance to look at it just yeah. yet but and then i was talking to a friend who was you know talking about looking about the options of whether or not you get a couple invites for uh, maybe a PGA event the week before or a couple of weeks before uh, the events or maybe a European tour start. I, I don't really know. So um, it's relied on what's available or what's, what mm. can be sort of what, what I can get as well. So I'll, I'll find that out really. If the opportunities arose, but is that something you jump at? Do you relish the opportunity to tee it up with those guys? Yeah, I think it's, it's sort of one of those ones where, it's, it's a tough one with Walker Cup year as well because you can't miss too many of the amateur events Yeah. instead of a pro event. So uh, just say Brabazon Trophy was on one week and then you, you got an invite to go play a PGA Tour event. Yeah, it's, quite to tough. it's quite yeah. tough to sort of turn down either. But, yeah. you know, if you, look at, if, you, if you look at it from a reality point of view is that if you go to a PGA Tour event, if you play really well, you, you might make the cut and you might come yeah. top 50. But the chances are, if you're going looking at the averages, you're probably going to miss a cut in the PGA Tour event at that yeah. sort of stage. And then if you miss the cut, and then you've missed Brabazon, and then you know you're you're sort of one back from the from the selection as well. So it'll have it'll depend on what overlaps mm. and and sort of how the season pans out next year. But yeah, like if there's a couple of opportunities to play PGA Tour events or European Tour events, then yeah, you're you're sort of buzzing to buzzing to get a uh, to get a go at them. And do you find like that Walker Cup? selection specifically this year coming up with the being at St Andrews and stuff does that is that kind of the guiding factor to how you lay out your golfing your golfing calendar yeah I think it's it's similar to pretty much every year other the fact other than the fact that there isn't a Walker Cup all at the end of the year yeah, every yeah, two yeah. years you'll still play the same events still you know all the ones that we'll sort of play 
normally every year will still play the same stuff. Uh, it's just with the fact that that's that's there at the end of the year. So mm. yeah, it'll be. I think it, as I said, bar the obvious two weeks and maybe an invite here and there. Uh, we'll see how that goes. It, it will be pretty much the same as same as last year or the year just past there. Uh, just just on, uh, we sort of talked a little bit about obviously you and Hugh and Irish golf and first USGA, you know, amateur champion, mid amateur champion, but. The the amateur game in Ireland seems to be certainly the elite amateur golf is much more visible in Ireland than what we would see over here in England or whatever. I don't know why that is, but I just and maybe I'm slightly tainted by people that we know that play golf in Ireland that just seem to buzz off, you know, Walker yeah. Cup and, and amateur golf. But I get the sense that the whole amateur scene in Ireland is just really really cool. Is that is that just a is that just a bad take by me or is it, is it actually a case of there's a really, really competitive amateur scene now in Ireland that's, that's kind of kicking off. Cause I was, I mean, there's Twitter accounts that publish the things blow by blow. I'm pretty sure I was following. It was at the South of Ireland that I think he went on and won that, didn't he? And that was yeah. uh, Richard Knightley as well. I don't know. Maybe you played with Richard in the semis or something like that, but um I, I just got the sense there's a lot more visibility around amateur golf, particularly at an elite level over there. Yeah, I think it's sort of a tough one to judge when you're sort of, you, you're only sort of, I only really know Irish amateur golf well enough yeah. compared to sort of the England, Scotland ways. But yeah, I think the tradition in Ireland with amateur golf was massive. I think it's it's the same as anywhere that it probably is getting less sort of of an importance over the past sort of 10, 15 years just with professional golf really being sort of so big. So, but it, no, there's definitely a massive sort of buzz around the tournaments. They're, they're sort of, you've got the four provincial tournaments, the North, South, East and West, mm. which are sort of big points in the calendar every year for any, all the golfers. So, mm. you know, everyone sort of really wants one of those tournaments on their CV. They say Q won, Q won two of them this year, one back to back in North yeah. and South. So it's things like that are sort of pretty cool when you're playing the events. The, I think if you looked at it like 20 years ago, I've seen sort of you see photos in the 90s or the early 2000s of like the likes of Darren Clark and Paul McGinley, McElroy, Laurie playing the events. And there's maybe hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people walking around some of the matches. Yeah. That has sort of, I think, died down a bit, whether that's because of the sort of the, the increase in professional golf, possibly. But, you know, people, people maybe couldn't have access sort of high level golf 20 years ago, 30 years ago you had to go out and watch the local amateurs play. So there's maybe an aspect that's just the amount of, you know, access to golf these days has reduced that. But the, the sort of the buzz within the players to win the tournaments is, yeah, is ex- exactly the same uh, as, as, as it always has been, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. And are there going to be any, uh, any of the, you know, great Irish professionals that you're going to be able to draw on for a little bit of experience? I suspect there might be some interesting practice rounds ahead of you before some of these majors. There seems to be, you know, kind of some little traditions that go on around certain players kind of getting the call up for a practice round. Do you think, you know, I don't know, you probably with people like Shane or Rory or anyone's going to be able to kind of give you a few hints and tips when it comes to the majors next year, do you think? Yeah, as I said, obviously that's tradition. I, I haven't looked into anything just yet. As I said, it's a bit, a bit early to sort of be organising yeah. things just yet. But if you look into the tradition of what's normally happened, like I know, uh, I know James pretty well, James Sugary won the amateur in 2019. So obviously played, mm. played those events. Yeah. I think it's, they generally sort of look after sort of any sort of Irish amateur who's coming into play. Mm. It's obviously pretty daunting experience. So, 
Yeah, I, th- I think I might be wrong, but I think there's three Irish playing the Masters this year. I think it's mm. Laurie, Parr, and McElroy. Mm. There might be someone I'm missing, or I'm not maybe sure. Seamus Parr, maybe. Yeah, sorry, Seamus Parr, Laurie, and McElroy. Oh. So I think it's the same three. Uh, those three guys who are playing. So obviously, you know, if I, if there's a wee free spot in there, I'd happily join. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I know our, um, our national coach, Neil Manchip, is Shane Laurie's coach as well. Okay. So generally speaking, he's very good with you know with helping us out as well. So um, there may yeah there there'll be you know playing a practice round with any of the guys is is going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll get a couple of good practice rounds out of it anyway. Yeah, well, you got an amazing six, eight, nine months ahead of you, and um, honestly, I know you're you're going to be really busy now with all the media commitments you're going to have over the next few weeks talking about the mid-am and stuff and we really appreciate you coming on to take some of the time to speak with us but um i suppose it's just for me and sam and bruce to, to wish you all the best in the in your upcoming endeavors and in the us open and the masters and mm. uh, we're so chuffed it, it must have been a really exciting time for you to win that that mid-am and and now you've got the spoils of war to look forward to yeah, yeah. exactly thanks very much but yeah, I think yeah, it's winning the tournament was sort of my god. As I came close a few times this year, a couple seconds, a third, and things like that. So just to actually win the tournament was sort of probably the biggest relief, uh, as opposed <laughs> to anything else. And then sort of you know bit by bit, sort of the prize at the end definitely sort of comes a bit more like reality. But again, it still sort of feels so far away and not overly sort of real just yet. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, as I said, the, the uh, six months from sort of January. Well, January, hopefully, if, if I play well, sort of, you know, the, the idea to be at St. Andrews in September. And then, you know, you've got that sort of January to sort of September time is, is going to be pretty, pretty cool. With a few sort yeah, of one step at a time. Seems like, seems like the best, best approach. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, best yeah. of luck with Matt and a big thank you. Yeah, perfect. All right, guys, see you later. Watch this.